Jeff, you guys have a really interesting way of tracking the economy. A string of different gauges that you check in on, and it looks like none have really made any progress over the past month since you and I last spoke. Yeah, so our recovery dashboard is a group of nine indicators that have historically done a very good job of signaling a durable economic and market bottom. The goal is to go from recessionary red to a green expansion. And over the course of the second quarter, we've had two upgrades. Credit spreads and housing starts went to green overall. But even though you didn't have much movement underneath the surface, the dashboard continued to strengthen dramatically. So we're firmly in recovery territory at this point. We think the odds of a double dip recession are, are very low right now. Okay, so the odds of the double dip, very low. What about the odds of an acceleration from here? I think the odds of an acceleration are, are quite large. Um, mm. You could get the acceleration a little bit earlier than anticipated with a democratic sweep. If that scenario happens, you're likely going to get a fiscal package in proportional to the HEROES Act that the House Democrats have been talking about in anywhere from two to two and a half trillion dollars. But as you get further into 2021, Growth could be supercharged because of a vaccine coming into commercialization, and not just one, but probably several. And once it comes into commercialization, you have this huge pent-up savings uh, with the personal savings rate at 14.1%. Actually, savings are $1 trillion higher today versus where we were back in February. And you really could get uh, some pent-up uh, demand and some revenge spending which could juice the economy overall. And this also comes on the back of an inventory restocking cycle that the U.S. desperately needs. So I think 2021's expectations for economic growth in the U.S. could surprise to the upside. So right now, though, Jeff, um, I'm curious about the timeline. Is there like a certain degree of convexity in the economy right now where if we don't get support soon, then problems can mount quickly um, because the case for the next you know president if let's say there is a dim sweep and they can spend a bunch if that's in January or if that's in even after that I mean that's a fairly large feels like a long ways away uh, in an economy that's moving so quickly here I mean everything that's changed in the last three months is is huge it seems that our rate of change for the economy is is big if we don't get something right now, uh, I hear a lot of uh, scary stories about what that's going to mean for the status of the recovery. Uh, is your point here that we won't double dip back to, you know, 10% unemployment, um, or is that, or is the possibility of that heightened if there is no immediate stopgap? I mean, what's the time factor here? Yeah, I think the momentum that we have in the economy will sustain through the fourth quarter with or without near-term stimulus. If you look at August's retail sales number, it came in at a healthy 0.6% positive. Um, and if you look at the credit card spending data so far in September, that all points to another positive print in retail sales. And if the consumer feels good about things, they're going to continue to spend. If you look at the conference board's consumer confidence survey, it jumped to 101.8 in September. The more forward-looking expectations component jumped to 104. And, and these aren't levels that you normally see in the beginning of an economic expansion. These are mid to late cycle numbers, which means the consumer feels pretty good about their prospects right now. And no, there's no indication right now that they're not going to continue to spend and keep the economy moving forward. And maybe one last thing I'll say, Oliver, if you look at the NFIB survey, which is small business confidence survey that came in at 104, which is just 0.5 uh, lower than where we were pre-COVID. 
And uh, you know, a number of different confidence measures are, are still very elevated right now. And we've really had that stimulus run out over the last couple of months. So I'm really not that concerned. Okay, now, right now, the uh, stimulus that we've been told we need for the beaten down sectors, um, is there then potential for just a, a bigger skew in the market towards tech if we don't get it and the market stays higher? And I know as an investment strategy, you're thinking about this in the, through the lens of the market. Can we have more of that quarantine trade uh, leading and holding things together? Yeah, in the absence of you know uh, getting uh, getting democratic sweep or any visibility in the near term, uh, I think it still will be the trade that's worked throughout this entire recovery, which is more skewed to growthier types of names. Um, but as we get through the elections, right, a democratic sweep will obviously have a transition into more cyclicality. If you get a Trump presidency, that's going to lead to a stimulus package that's probably in the one to one and a half trillion range. The one where you probably see a lower stimulus package is a Biden win with a Republican Senate because the bid ask between the two sides are so large. But regardless, I think growth trade and the kind of that defensive trade is still going to be the preferred measure. But again, something that could supersize that cyclical rotation is going to be really that, that Democratic sweep. But if we don't get that, I would say starting at the beginning of the year, you really want to look to more cyclical areas of the market overall because U.S. growth should accelerate as we move through the 2021. We're looking at this historic um, surge in the beat rate for the economic surprise. Uh, from, your, from your guys' team, one of our favorite charts here as well. We've been looking at a lot. It's obviously started to come in a little bit, but uh, hugely beyond anything in history, uh, Jeff. So that seems to still be working. We got another big beat on the Philly Fed. But so apart from the employment picture, a lot of the stuff still beating the expectations. Uh, do we expect that to translate into earnings? I know that so far we've had big surprises on earnings as well but it's really been concentrated in some of these companies. And Jeff, overnight, we got a little bit of a taste, it seems, from a company called Fastly that's had a huge run on the year. They missed revenue on their expectations by a couple million bucks, and the stock got obliterated, 25% down. I mean, even if we do have this kind of quarantine trade, is there, you know, not a, um, uh, is, is there not something come and do here if they don't have huge amounts of growth and live up to every expectations? Are earnings going to be enough to justify a highest valuation since dot-com? Well, that stock in particular is still up 300 plus percent at this point. True. So uh, it had quite a lofty run, but compared to the second quarter, um, second quarter uh, beat as a surprise to relative expectations more so than any other quarter since 1996. The uh, beat rate on earnings was 84%, so that's well above the long-term averages. But more importantly, investors were underweight equities. They weren't really expecting that outcome. So you've seen a, a big move higher in the markets over the last three months, but the earnings expectations for the third quarter have only moved up about 4%. So I think that's a low bar. I think we'll certainly beat higher than the long-term averages. But as you mentioned, if you look at the one day after the earnings were released, whether you beat or missed, markets have been punishing those companies that have released. So I think in order to really see some upside surprises with individual names, you need to see a large beat on both the top and the bottom line, but also companies need to give some positive forward guidance on what their expectations are next year.